0: Welcome to the Inner Shakti Podcast, a sacred space where we discuss aspects of the goddess with authentic spiritual practitioners. So find a comfortable or cozy position and get ready to receive devotional nourishment for your body, mind, and soul. In today's episode, I am chatting with Arti Artemis from the Anatara Ashram in Northern BC, Canada. Arti chose to speak about the Sri Yantra and the powerful effects it has had on her life. In this episode, you'll receive at the end a meditation from Arti that helps connect non-dual awareness to the heart. You can watch a video recording of this podcast at my Inner Shakti YouTube channel, and don't forget to subscribe to Inner Shakti Podcasts. Enjoy! So, um, I invited Arti, who I refer to as Arti, on the program today because she has a very beautiful, um, a very beautiful energy within her. And um, I've seen her and witnessed her really like ride the spectrum of states, of possible Mm -hmm. possible states and go into very, very, very high states, but then also come back. (laughs) And she seems to me to be someone that has a really amazing ability to ride a full spectrum of experience and someone that I really admire as well in terms of her devotion and dedication towards spiritual path. I mean, she has devoted her whole life. She lives at Anuttara Ashram in Northern Canada. This is a very beautiful ashram that is completely surrounded by, I mean, you said hundreds of kilometers in all directions of wild, raw forest.
1: I mean, there's little villages of the Nishka people who are native to that land. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of forest and then ocean. So, yeah.
0: It's, it sounds really magical, and she's just given her life to this ashram with her and her husband, Thomas, and they do incredible work there, um, yoga retreats and teacher trainings, and um, and they're constantly inviting amazing teachers as well to come and visit and offer what they know. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you are just a wealth of, of beauty and spirituality, and I wanted you to come on the program today to talk a little bit about your experience personal life experiences and you are especially drawn to Sri Yantra, it sounds like.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, at least in terms of, first of all, I just have to say, you'll have me blushing a little bit. You really, <laughs> <woo>! <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of your, your inner Shakti podcast and, um, in that work, then, yeah, I would have to say that it's the Sri Yantra in, for, in terms of form that I, I feel um, a particular amount of devotion and love towards.
0: I, uh, for our, our listeners I, and our viewers, I asked Arti to bring with her like a goddess um, that or a form of, of Devi of the goddess that she feels a special resonance with or mm. that she had received some teachings from. So what she ended up choosing was the Sri Yantra. So maybe you could talk about the Yantra a little bit and um, yeah, what it is. I'm happy to hold up a picture too when you're ready for it.
1: Sure. Um, I think maybe first it's worth mentioning just that in Tantra, the, the divine can manifest in, in three different forms um, through, through sound, which would be mantra. Um, through the, the physical image of a deity, which we commonly see of, of, of Shakti or Radha or um, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Kali, but in the form of a human. And then the third form that the goddess can take is in the form of the yantra, um, which is similar to the one that you have there. Um, and this particular yantra is the Sri yantra. So we can see a yantra typically has the square, which is the, the kind of earth element, the four gates for the four directions. Um, and various numbers of petals can also be incorporated to signify different things. Um, and this, the circle contains the energy of, of, of the yantra, which is the, the, the nine triangles that we have at the center there. So this yantra is the Sri yantra, or um, sometimes the Raja yantra, I think it's referred to as, which is the king of yantras, or the great yantra, and um, generally in my life I try to not be a cliché, and so it's a little bit of a cliché to choose this yantra, because it's the most popular yantra, and most well-recognized, and... um, Mm. It's used in, in many different traditions Not just Tantra, but Kashmir Shaivism And Vedanta Householders who are Hindus Will also put it on their altar and worship it um, So then it also is very well known Across, across traditions
0: <clears throat> I think we can also say That in spiritual communities of the West It's just seen almost everywhere now Yeah um, It's on clothing, it's on Advertisements um, it's I think it's on your ring I'm wearing it on my finger. <laughs> it's everywhere. And I think a lot of people would recognize it, but many people don't know what is the actual meaning behind it and why is it even significant. So yeah. let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's largely related with Tripura Sundari. Um, and this is because she is considered to be the goddess of the three realms. And we could simply put that as... Um, the the physical body, the mental body, and the spiritual body, or maybe that which does not have a body, spirit, divinity itself. Um, I personally uh, don't really feel so much connected with Tripura Sundari, but she is one way of trying to understand the yantra. Um, and if you go to different traditions, they will understand it in different ways, in that some people even there are nine trichomes or triangles, um, and there's five facing down, which represent the feminine or Shakti, and then there's uh, four facing up, which which represent Shiva or the masculine energy. And then you can see at the center there, there's a little bindu, a, a tiny little dot at the center. And even this is largely argued. Um, Some traditions don't put the dot, some just leave it blank. And that space is supposed to represent that which is beyond both the masculine and feminine, the unmanifest, um, yeah, the indescribable. (laughs) Mm. So... Yeah, and also, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but different traditions will even worship it in in different ways. And for the common householder, and when I say householder, I just mean a person who is in a sadhu or um, someone who's living at home, but also still having spiritual practices. Generally, having devotional practices to the Sri Yantra um, will just usually won't lead to enlightenment, but will instead lead to at least many blessings in our in our life in terms of both financial as well as love and health and the rest.
0: So if you're listening um, and you don't have a visual of it, you can Google Sri Yantra and then you'll be able to see what she's speaking to exactly but it's a very, very beautiful geometric image and um, also very powerful as well, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned as well that um, that there was something personal for you about the Sri Yantra somehow, and it yeah. affected, <laughs> so I wanna hear a little bit about what kind of experience you
1: had. Sure. Um, I guess I could just simply start by saying um, around I think it was two thousand and twelve um, onwards up until today, I had certain significant um, <clears throat> awakenings sorry i'm my I have a teacher who tells me that i shouldn't uh, talk too much about them, so yeah, okay i because, and I think generally, I agree with this. It resonates pretty deeply with me. And that if if we share our spiritual experiences or lack of experience, let's say, with others, then it becomes nothing but a story. Mm. And so we must treasure these things mm. because they are the most treasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, so to s- say it more simply, just that there were certain recognitions that started to happen in my life from 2012 forward um that started to to become more and more a part of my everyday life Mm. and um to to start to yeah I, i can't really explain it other than just there was recognitions and some deep seeing and um some clarification came through teachers, which would then uh, bring deeper understanding. And when I say understanding, I don't mean from here. There was just a, a knowing that started to come from the pulsate, from the heart. And, uh, and so um, many years go by and I started to, am still learning to live more and more from this place of recognition. And um, I saw this yantra and somehow I knew that that yantra represented uh, what I was knowing in my heart. And uh, again, it, it came from the heart. I, 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 it seems still very silly to my mind <laughs> to love a geometric shape the way I might love a family member or, or a deep loved one. And I, I seem to, I feel as though I know this yantra um, in my heart. Um, but yet I actually don't know very much about it theoretically, I guess. As I was explaining to you previously, um, I, I tend to, as a spiritual practitioner, um, move more from my heart and my body And I'm a little bit um, standoffish of of studying theology, Um, not because it's lesser or because it doesn't work, because I know it works for some people. But for me in particular, once it's in my head, then I create stories from there. And my understanding starts to come from there. Mm -hmm. So um, my relationship with the Sri Yantra is unfolding in a more more natural way or fluid way, I guess, rather than from the scriptures.
0: Mm. That's very beautiful. And and that in itself is a teaching in a way, you know, Mm. and I think it's so beautiful the way you put it about, it's not a theoretical or like, knowledge-based or, knowledge or theory-based understanding it's not like you can explain what each point means and each pedal and there are people that can do that and that's really valuable and really great mm-hmm. But that's not what we're talking about right now
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: so we're talking about
1: but, yeah there was a <laughs> time where where I, I I looked into it slightly to because the the mind has this desire to to understand and I looked into it, and I got more or less some confirmation. And uh, But the thing was, the confirmation was coming up from here, again, you know, for me. When I opened the book, it was like, oh, wow, okay, that explains mm-hmm. what I'm feeling with that thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm maybe too too juvenile of a practitioner, let's say, to be able to go into theology too deeply. Maybe I'll never will be ready to, Mm -hmm. um, but instead I'm just resonating with her and letting her show me where I'm supposed to go with this. It's so
0: beautiful. In a way, it's just so beautiful because you, it's so also freeing not to have to know and and we're Mm -hmm. so used to being in a society where knowledge is what, supposedly is taking you you have to know if you want to be an engineer you have to learn engineering if you want to do like knowledge is and and, like mental understanding is is the way most of this world seems to run Hmm. so what you're speaking to is so beautiful and I also really want to encourage anyone out there that might be listening to like if you hear yourself in this to really let that sink in because Sometimes our body has messages for us that the mind doesn't even necessarily understand. Um, and learning to trust your heart and your body, and that devotion that comes from within, even if it doesn't make any sense, is like one of the wildest rides in life. You know, you're just, and it's the best. Also, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like such a joy of existence to be able to dance that.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it just, I think, unfortunately, as you say, it's not really taught in our schools how to process from the ground up rather than from the top down. And um, it does take a lot of surrender to, to process from the bottom up because you need to learn to, to move in a way that isn't taught in our society or our school, or not only is it not taught, but it's not usually held as, as, as valuable or as... As evidence or you know as, as truth it can't be true it's just a feeling yeah well most of the times my feelings lead me to truer places than my thoughts <laughs> for me personally my thought is more of an obstacle than my physical sensations or experiences of emotion
0: so, such, I love the way you just put that. More often than not, my physical feelings lead me to a more true place than my thoughts. <laughs> that is like that's like in a nutshell the whole the whole thing. It's just really beautiful, really well, well said. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's a loss also for society that we don't have that teaching and. And, you know, I think there's a lot of women and people out there that have that impulse, but then it, they shut it down because the rational mind comes in and it's like, no, that's just crazy, that's just me thinking, uh, or me, like, being crazy, or I can't trust that. Like, I think that's probably one of the most common um, mechanisms in society that we're doing mm. constantly without realizing it.
1: And really, it's kind of absurd when you think about it, that we we trust these abstract images or sounds that we hear in our head, uh, mm-hmm. like that—that that is somehow more valid than a sensation in the body, when actually they're both random things appearing within your awareness. Mm-hmm. No one is more true than the other. Mm-hmm. But somehow we're holding on to these thoughts and beliefs and ideas and, and saying that, These random manifestations within consciousness are more important than these other random manifestations in consciousness that come in form of feeling in the body or emotion.
0: Mm, So now you're kind of taking it even a step deeper. Possibly. Yeah, I think so. And this is where I start to see like the non-dual... Emily Artemis, Artemis, show up because now then you, you go and this is I usually I I love the feeling body space so I tend to dwell there, mm-hmm. but I really appreciate when we when you can go even a step deeper and talk about like, you know, just the the space that's even bigger than that,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I think depending on the being, each space let 's call it could be a, a possibility to to step more into the unmanifest or that aspect of themselves which exists before any of this rises before a thought rises before a feeling rises, mm-hmm. sensation etc in that for some people it may be through through inquiring into thoughts who thinks this thought who, who who, who is this I that says this in this sentence and so on and so forth. But then there's another way to inquire, um, which is just simply into the sensations and into the feelings. And, yeah, well, we can do this more with the meditation that we'll do in the end, but, yeah, perceiving these within the same space or recognizing that they arise within the same space. Mm. Hmm.
0: Very nice. Yes, I'm excited to do that meditation with you. Um, but first, I just want to let um, our listeners or our viewers know that Arti and I have a, an offering that we've created together, or in a way, it's sort of arrived for us. Um, we had the inspiration last year, I think, when we were sitting in the Ganga in Rishikesh, with our yonis immersed (laughs) and we were just kind of getting high off our conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking and like getting so excited and sharing ideas about life and the divine feminine and what is that and what isn't that. And, um, uh, eventually, from that birthed a a retreat slash course that's going to be happening this coming August and September in Canada um so maybe Artie, if you want to share a little bit more about that
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I think I would at least like to share that i I feel that in some ways that this was unfolding for both of us uh, before we'd even met each other. I mean, that's what we shared when we were both in the Ganga and that we both felt called to start stepping into doing something along these lines. Um, But what I feel uh, is that we needed each other to do it, as, as we've both discussed, that we really complete each other in that we've somehow both been walking the path but in different ways, and yet these ways complement each other. Mm-hmm. And, and we've also said that sometimes I, not that I don't have the Shakti energy in me, but that I tend to bring a bit more of the Shiva energy and you tend to bring a bit more of the Shakti energy and in that we're able to, or as you say, a course is able to, uh, a retreat or a flowing of energy is able to come through both of us in a way that is very harmonious and entry and complete. Mm-hmm. it's not leaning to one side or the other and and yeah yeah i think that that's, that we received the darshan of the ganga uh, her blessings and <laughs> she's pushed us to go forward with this mm. yes
0: absolutely <laughs> and now it seems to be unfolding quite easily quite naturally and um, we have uh i don't know if there's a limit of spaces but Right now, the the registration is open. It's for women or women identified. And we are going to be talking a lot about gender and uh, deconstructing um, sort of imposing conditioning that you might have about how to be, how to behave. And we want to kind of break that up a little bit to give you more freedom um, in expressing who you are. Um, and we're also going to be doing a lot of focus on leadership and embodied leadership, and hopefully, right from the start, putting our the participants into a place of power.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It I, we've we've discussed this as well, but just that um, typically in a matriarchal society, uh, it will be run in the in the energetic shape of a circle and that you can't really tell who is the so-called leader in the group and each being has a right to share their, their place and their story. Well, in a patriarchal society, this is typically run in the shape of a triangle, very few at the top and a lot at the bottom. And so in a way, this is also going to be a, a learning lesson for, for Alicia and I in, in that, it has been deeply ingrained in all of us that there's one teacher at the front and all of us Mm -hmm. (laughs) sitting at the back. You know, there's mom and dad at the front of the car and us in the back. There's daddy's (laughs) few. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Those few at the top of the capitalistic society and the rest of us at the bottom trying to climb to the top. So as much as we, something else in terms of sacred geometry is the circle is the most chaotic energy and maybe this was why so long ago they were like, all right, we got to put the circle aside and just <laughs> step into the triangle, get some Too order much. around here. <laughs> Too much chaos. <laughs> chaos. We're just herding cats. It's <laughs> Too
0: much energy. Okay. That's hilarious.
1: But, um, yeah, and, and so in that, I, I think it's going to be a really beautiful experience for all of us and, and a needed experience to know what it's like yeah. to not be told that I have... I have less in me, or I'm lacking, and I need to take this course, training, retreat so that I can have more, so that I can be better. But yes. no, in fact, you are already fully complete mm. and perfect right in this moment, right now. And we want your perfection to step into the circle mm-hmm. because we need that for all of us here to learn. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yeah. Jeho. I'm really feeling that, your words just now, about, um, like, one way I think that I would put it is, like, not to take on another identity. Mm -hmm. Growth isn't necessarily... About taking on more and more identities over and over again.
1: <laughs> no, in fact, I would say it's more about trying to take off as many identities as you
0: can. Right, right. And in certain moments, yeah, you might need to take on an identity. It's not yeah. like black and white, but mm-hmm. that um, I really I feel that as well in this in this retreat a lot is that it's more about the stripping down. Mm. It's The stripping down of like the falsities and getting really raw and Mm -hmm. connected and um yeah just expressing what's there underneath and and i think that you and i both are coming with this strong attitude to support that and Mm -hmm. the people that come
1: yeah and i i think also it's it's worth mentioning that at least speaking personally and this doesn't mean that this is a truth but coming from my personal self um sometimes in in women leaders or feminist leaders or feminism itself, there can be some poo pooing on the masculine or men mm-hmm. and um, A big part of this training is like when I look out into the world, I see the women rising, I see the women like taking leadership roles, they're wearing both the pants and the skirt, and they have the freedom to be more and more every day, whatever they want to be. And that is not to say that they don't suffer discrimination or, or hardships for having to be a woman. Mm. But I'm looking at my brothers, and I see that they don't get the opportunity to wear both the pants and the skirt. They don't get, you know, just this, this past Christmas family members came over to, to celebrate and men and women hugged, women and women hugged, men and men shook hands. Mm. Because men don't have the freedom to, to be able to show each other this kind of intimacy, this, mm. like we're talking about, this more emotional, feeling-based part of their being is completely repressed. And so instead we see more anger from the masculine and so a big part of this course to me is taking these already strong women and empowering them to start holding the hands of their brothers and to, to give them the support to, to start moving into their full being. Um, because I think it's very much lacking for men. Mm. And also not to say that there's only two genders. Yeah, right. Um, this is
0: also really important as well. Yeah,
1: I think it, in some ways I think that People who have more than one gender or who are not identifying with the sex that they were born with um, have more insight into this mm-hmm. and that there's more they may intuitively know there's more to me than gender or sex or what what society is telling me I'm supposed to be like, look like, act like because I was born with this genitalia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So this is also why I would like to open up the course to, to being for also for women-identified beings and maybe also one day for men as well. Right. But for now, we're, we're dealing with the moon, so. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, and that's, these are all topics that we're going to go more deeply into during the course because it's really, each one deserves like a whole night really of diving in and, and trying to understand because it's really valuable. Look at these things. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So um, we will close with a meditation. Oh, did we say the dates already? The dates are August 29th to September 12th. There you go. And you can sign up through Anuttara Ashram. You can find their website. It's anuttara.org org. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: um, but yeah, it is worth mentioning that, that the spaces are limited. So um, yeah. we are getting quite a few people wanting to sign up now and a lot of people showing interest. So if this is something you're feeling called to, it would be good to not to put pressure on you, but to, to at least send out an email so we can know whether we need to be reserving spaces for you or not.
0: And also, we're both available to chat and talk about it. Of course, yeah. And for anyone interested, we'll be able to give more insight and information about what we're doing because we have a very full course. Lots. (laughs) We have a lot going on. We have to cut out a lot just to get, you know. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's going to be a really deep transformative experience for sure. Hmm. So I've asked Artie to close today with a meditation. So if you're able to um, close your eyes, if you're not driving or if you're just able to be in a quiet place, um, this would be a good time to kind of just, you know, um, turn off your cell phone or just close down any other distractions. And Arti's going to lead us in a closing
1: meditation. Great. Great. Um, yeah, just as you said, to to make sure that you take a little bit of space for yourself now to come into this meditation. And if um, it's not comfortable for you to close your eyes, it's perfectly fine for the eyes to be open. I would say um, <clears throat> to keep them soft, the gaze soft. You don't need to be staring intensely at anything, even to look slightly at the ground with the eyes partially closed. And you don't need to be sitting in any particular way either. Um, you can be sitting in a chair, you can be sitting in cross-legged position, whatever it is that feels most comfortable for you. And, and finding comfort is the biggest part. So this is a meditation that I, or a style of meditation that I often lead at the ashram. And um, it has to do with the Sri Yantra in a way, in that through practicing this, um, this Leads has led me to that space that I cannot quite speak of. That uh, that the yantra also represents. So wherever you are, closing your eyes or leaving them partially open, settling into the space, relaxing any muscles that are unnecessarily engaged. In particular, muscles around the jaw, the eyes, the neck and the belly. Becoming aware of the breath, the gentle rise and fall. Not altering the breath, just allowing it to be as it is naturally in this moment. And become aware of sensations in the body. Maybe moving from the bottoms of your feet, all the way up to the top of your head. Taking your time lingering in any places where you may feel a particular amount of sensation. Not labeling the sensations as good nor bad either. And if the mind does try to label things, just witnessing the labeling and coming back to the felt sense in the body. When become aware of the center of your chest. The inhalation and exhalation in this area. You can feel that as you inhale, the breath comes into the center of the chest and this area becomes more expansive. And as you exhale, the breath comes to a point just right in front of the chest. Inhaling, focusing on the inside of the chest. Exhaling, the breath touches on this place just right in front of the chest. Now, letting go slightly of the anatomical knowledge that you might have about the body and the breath and just allowing the inhale to be in the center of the chest and the exhale to be slightly outside. So you don't need to follow the breath up and out the nose, but just transitioning your attention from inside of the chest to outside of the chest. Inhaling awareness inside of the chest, exhaling awareness outside, so really the attention is just moving back and forth about three inches inside and outside. And if the mind wanders, just bring it back to these two points. There's no need to criticize or chastise ourselves if we have thoughts come in. They're not a problem. We're not trying to stop the mind. Rather than to just keep our attention on these two sacred points. Staying with the breath. And dropping any idea of inside and outside. Now there's just simply two points. The in-breath touches one point, and the so-called out-breath touches another, but rather there's just two breaths and two points, allowing attention to drift naturally between these two places. And then as the witness or the perceiver of these two points, recognize that both points are appearing within you equally. The idea that one point is more inside you or intimate, And another point being outside of you is merely a concept in the mind. Both of these points are equally inside of you as awareness. Not you as the body, nor you as the mind. Staying with the breath, keeping our attention on these two points, both points appearing within awareness. The points may feel different, but this doesn't matter. This is only an interpretation from the mind. Slowly we can allow awareness to expand over the entirety of the physical body If the eyes are closed, we can open them slightly for a moment and then close them again. Recognize that sensation of seeing also appears within awareness. Just as this sensation of feeling these two points appeared within awareness, so too does seeing appear with an awareness. And slowly we can open our eyes and recognize that although this practice seems to be coming to an end, this way of perceiving does not need to come to an end. We can see all things through all senses, including the sense of the mind, naturally rising equally within awareness. Hmm. Hmm. oh i can't hear you love
0: i said <laughs> I, I muted myself but I, th- I think i'm at a loss for words now <laughs> thank you so much thank yeah, you for yeah thank you for coming on this show the podcast and thank
1: you for you. having me it was yeah. a lot of fun <laughs> i love you too <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you.